Hi, I'm Lori. And I'm Kevin. And this is No Longer Ashamed. We are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. And we're here to share with you that if you're a survivor, you don't have to be alone. Our logo is a salamander. And the reason is a fire salamander can survive a fire and you have survived a fire. We want to help you with your journey to healing and hope. We are all survivors together and we walk this journey together. And you are not alone. By telling our stories, we are hoping that you will have the courage to share your stories as well and find your voice. Because stories are so important. And for so long, I know that I wouldn't tell my story. But when I finally shared my story, that's when I got my freedom. And this is our journey and your journey to healing and hope. So come with us. It has been a process, and I was surprised at how it continues. I thought, you know, when I started this podcast that I was through the process mostly and come to discover that, no, I, I still am in the process. And I think for me, it's important to realize that the process is continuous, but you get better and better at as you go along. And it gets easier as you go along. And also, it's important to be patient with the process. I think that's a big deal, is not to be in a hurry, because it's hard at times. And if you push it, you can really struggle. I know I went through some struggles right at the beginning of our podcast, right before we started the podcast, when I realized that, you know, this was my very first memory was being abused and how that really affected me hard. It was really difficult to deal with. And it took me a while to just get to terms with that and realize that that was a big deal and I needed to take my time addressing it. I needed to take my time working through it because it was such a big deal. And I think when we try to rush things, we force ourselves to do something that's gonna be really hard on us and hard on those around us. I know for Charnel, that was really hard for her because I was in kind of a funk for a couple weeks. So I think it's important to realize not only that the process takes time and it's ongoing, and it develops, it gets easier, and it also, you learn how to do the process better as you go along, but also not to force it. You know, you have to be patient with it, and that's important. A couple of things come to mind for me. Number one is women process different. They talk to their friends, they talk to their family, they talk to people, counselors, coaches, men, it's harder. I've had two conversations this week with men who are very reluctant to get counseling because it's harder for men for some reason. And then the podcast that I sent you today, I don't know if you got to this part, but he does this thing when he, he goes and talks to groups, he says to the women, how many of you talk to girlfriends every week? And when you have issues, you, you know, how many of you do it every day? And then he said to the men, how many of you men once a week talk to another man? <laughs> about your feelings yeah we so don't I think, do that we don't no. and, and i think that that's another reason why it's harder for men because they don't want to talk about it they just want to get on with it and yeah. rather than talk to friends process it and talk about feelings and of course you want to be careful who you talk about but you know i think that part of the process is is talking 
Yeah. Oh, that's a big part of it. And I think for me, it's been huge because Charnel understands and working with you and working with Charnel has been a great resource for me and talking to my pastor. And But men don't like to, for one thing, admit they have a problem or admit they need help because we're supposed to be the strong one, the, the provider and take care of everyone else. So we don't want to admit that we need help. And also we don't want to admit to being weak and, and needing help seems to be weak, means that you have a weakness if you need help. And so men try to do it on their own. They try to tough it out and do it on their own, which ends up making it really hard. You, you, you can't do this alone. You really can't. Isn't it interesting? The very thing that keeps you from telling is the thing that also keeps you from getting help. Yeah. Is the thing that also keeps you from getting through this. The fact that you don't want to appear weak is the mm -hmm. thing that's keeping you weak. It's keeping you hurt. It's keeping you from getting free of this. So it's so important to look for help, find the help that you can get that you feel safe with and share when you can. And also for men, I think it's important to give yourself credit when you are going through the process because it is hard and it is, it isn't normal thing that men do. You know, it's not our natural thing to do is to seek help and get help and work on ourselves, work on our issues, work on healing. So when you're going through this, I think it's important to give yourself credit as we go through the process to look at what we've done, how we've how we've come along, give yourself credit for it and, and give yourself credit for when you realize you need help. Like when I was going through my issues to realize that, yes, I did need help and I did talk about it and kind of work through it and got better. And yeah, that that worked. It worked well. You can't blame yourself for having these issues when it's a result of what someone's done to you. Well, and what is interesting in all the people that we've interviewed, it seems like, and I could be wrong, but it seems like the people that have really been doing the work, like you and, you know, there's been so many, actually were part of a men's support group for a while or whatever. And I, I just think there's a lot to be said for that. And I'm, I imagine for men, it must be scary, but man, if that is something that can help you get the peace and the help and also help you honor your process, because, you know, I always say as a coach, what we resist persists. And if we're resisting mm -hmm getting help or resisting and saying, I have this going on and I just want out of it. Well, we have to walk through it. You yeah. know, wouldn't it be great if we could just get out of it? But, <laughs> you know, it, it seems maybe there, I mean, there was that one guy in the Bible that, you know, never died. Was he Enoch? Was it walked with God? Yeah. So maybe there's people that just, you know, get out of it, but it seems like we all have to walk through it and do the process. And if we could embrace it, and love it versus hating it, even though it's hard. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I always say when my clients will say, oh, you know, and I was going to do that, but there was this blah, 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 you know, this, this big excuse for whatever. Mm -hmm. And I always say, and I love that. Mm. Like, I tried to do something and everything got in my way. And I love that. Like, let's just embrace it and love it and call it what it is, because then it doesn't have any power over us. Yeah. And I agree with you about the support groups. I think it's really, really 
important to be in a group for men, especially because that way you get that reinforcement, but you also realize you're not the only one dealing with these issues. You know, you're you're going through it with these other men and they have very similar or the same issues. And also you have accountability for actually doing the work, for trying to get better, to for finding out the ways to get healing and to get to have the work that helps you to get better. Because without having support, it's hard to really just do it on your own. Also, when you're part of a support group, somebody might say something that you could actually speak to and it helps you go, oh my goodness, I have learned a little. I, you know, often we think, and I remember this with you when you kind of had that first setback, you felt like you were back to square one. Mm. The truth was you weren't back to square one. It just felt like it. Yeah. And also, I mean, even with, you know, the people we've interviewed, there have been many times they've said things, they've talked about things that really resonated with me in a way that I've never recognized before, that it was like, oh, you know, I've had those moments of, aha, yeah, I, that, you know, I, I totally get that. I just never thought of it that way before. And you, you learn different things about yourself, you know, because you're bouncing it off someone else. And also you're hearing their side and you kind of get their perspective. And so that helps a lot. I mean, that's helped me a lot as well. So mm -hmm. I think being patient, but also I really like the you said about having for men a support group or, you know, some sort of group like the husband material, the male survivor website. You know, there's so many groups out there you can join that men having similar issues, you can talk to them and, and you don't have to feel ashamed about what you're going through because they understand it. They get it. They know what you're going through because they've been through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even like we interviewed last time, um, David Peterson. And when I interviewed him the first time, he had said he was 11 when the abuse happened and he was 19 when he finally told. And the only reason he told was because he was drugged from getting his wisdom teeth pulled. Yeah. And I thought about that. And I said, you know, you do you know the statistic? It's 26 years. He didn't know that. Yeah. And somehow in knowing that, that just gave him some peace. And so it's like when, mm -hmm. you know, when we connect with people that have been through the same thing, we we it's almost like putting a puzzle together. Yeah. And also, you know, when we did our, our episode about being groomed and I realized I had been groomed and how David talked about when he realized he was groomed and it wasn't his fault. And that was so important for him to realize that he was targeted. It wasn't yeah. what he did. It was something that someone targeted. And I, I felt the same way, too. When I realized I was groomed, it was like, wow, they actually planned that. And they... You know, that wasn't just a random thing, but it it takes a little bit at a time. It doesn't all happen at once. Just like, thank you know, goodness. <laughs> we, well, and, and when he talked about forgiveness and how he's got these this book about the 21 steps of forgiveness and the different milestones and so forth. Well, it doesn't all happen at once. You 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 have to work at it. And it's it's gradual, but it does get better and better and it does get easier. And the big triggers, the big pitfalls, they're not as bad 
as when, you know, when you've been working on it, when you put the time in, when you understand your issues, when things come up, it's the awareness that helps you. You are aware of what you can be blindsided, but then, you know, you understand where it comes from and you kind of have, you handle it better because you mm -hmm. have awareness. But I think it's important. A lot of people I, I know when I was first going dealing with it, I had a lot of impatience about just getting through it and being, you know, being done with it and being able to just be done. And I was really impatient about it. Yeah. And that's not really helpful because what it does is it forces you to push yourself beyond what you're really able to do and what's healthy to do. And it also, yeah. it, it puts more pressure on yourself. Mm -hmm. Also, it's easy to want to be done. So you want to get to forgiveness, if that's kind of your nature, without working through it. And that's not like, there really aren't shortcuts. The, no. the shortcuts are sharing your story, telling someone, speaking up, you know, the things that feel the hardest and the most scary, you know, but once you start to do it, like you said, it gets, it gets easier. But I remember when I first started having memories, I just wanted everything. Like I didn't want to be caught off guard a day down the road while I was in the grocery store and have a memory pop up. You know, yeah. I wanted to be in control of it. And I think that that's the thing with recovery. And that's why we call it recovery because it's ongoing mm -hmm. is that first of all, we have to trust ourselves. And now that we're more aware, if we get triggered, we're probably going to be aware. Like if all of a sudden we get mad about something, we're going to be like, oh, what's something's going on? What did I just see? What, what did I just, you know, you might hear a mom in a grocery store yell at a kid. Yeah. And that could trigger you. And you don't even know because it's, it, you know, it's back here, it's behind you. And it's, you know, kind of like just the background noise, but because your little person inside is sensitive to that. And so then it's going, okay, pay attention. I love your wife always says that pay attention, uh -huh. pay attention what's going on. So we can begin to trust ourselves that we won't be out of control, even though we don't have control. Well, I think also being impatient, it pushes us to be better, like better than we are. And then we get hard on ourselves when we aren't. And it, it pushes ourselves to get better so we can not have these problems anymore. And then if we something comes up, we're hard on ourselves. We get all angry at ourselves. We criticize ourselves for not being better already. And right. I know this whole thing with, you know, me kind of dealing with the grooming, I was surprised and I was also a little disappointed that it had affected me. And I was also disappointed that those memories are still repressed. And I kind of got impatient about that. Like, why is it? And I started kind of pushing, trying to remember more, get back to what led up to it. You know, I started bugging myself to try and get there. And that didn't help at all. It didn't help me. Um, if anything, it made me a little more angry at myself because I wasn't remembering and yeah. I couldn't, you know, I, I didn't realize that I had been groomed. That, that kind of made me angry at myself. And mm -hmm. so I think being patient is important because we tend to be our worst critics already. So it, it's not yeah. helpful to be, you know, impatient with ourselves.
And if we can remember to trust the process, you know, when you're in it, it feels like it's so in your face. But if we could recognize it's all part of a process and the something that people with uh, drug and alcohol addiction, what, what wants to happen for them right away in recovery is service, getting into service. Mm-hmm. And when I think about men recovering from childhood sexual abuse, I, I feel very strongly that being in a support group in a weekly way is a, an act of service because A, with, ever, with meetings, sometimes you need the meeting and sometimes the meeting needs you. And when yeah. we show up for ourselves, we're showing up for other people. And that is a community service. And you have said it so many times, we can't do this alone. We can't heal alone. So part of showing up is a service. It's an act of community service in just showing up and being there and helping our people walk through it together and reminding them we can trust the process. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really a good point because a lot of the times I didn't really feel like going to the group meeting. I didn't feel like I needed it necessarily or it just wasn't convenient. You know, it was just another thing I had to do. And I felt like, why am I? I I don't need it this week. I'll just skip it. But I never regretted going when I did go and I very rarely skipped it. And it always ended up being really, it seemed like every week there was a breakthrough with someone. Um, Every week someone had something really going on and needed to talk about, needed to flesh it out. And so every week it seemed like something big happened. And it really is amazing when you're doing the process with someone else, with others that are going through it as well. It's amazing how uplifting it can be. Just you're you're supporting each other. And that's so important because we don't have many other people we can talk about this with that understand it, that get it. No one else mm. really gets it. Yeah. So. And especially I think with men, the people that don't get it get mad. Mm. But people that get it can hold that space for you as you're trying to figure it out and process it. You know, a a man that doesn't get it might want to be like, I'm going to go kill that. Yeah. You know, whatever. That's not helpful. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but when when people get it and they gather together and it's not I think sometimes people think it's about wallowing and it's not about that at all. It's about processing. And when we know, for instance, if you know you have a group you're going to go to once a month or once a week, if you do have something come up, it's a lot easier to be patient and walk through it because, you know, you're going to get the support. If you don't have anyone, it's easy to panic and feel like, oh, my gosh, how do we get back here? You know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, oh, I thought I was done with this. I thought I dealt with yeah. it. I thought, Wouldn't that be you know, nice? Yeah. <laughs> All done. Signing All off done. on that one. <laughs> but knowing that you have someone you can talk about it with, knowing that you have someone that gets it is so mm-hmm. important. And, and that's why I, I've found that our, you know, our group of people that we have with the podcast, it's like watching them grow through their process and talking about issues in our panels and so forth. You learn with others. You learn what they're going through and you also learn about yourself by what they're going through because it happens to all of us at different stages and different levels. And even when you're at our stage where we've been through it for so long, there's still some things that we haven't been through and we can learn about. Mm -hmm. 
So I think I kind of got pushed into thinking about this from hearing about a podcast where they were talking about just, okay, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. And it's like, well, yeah, but it doesn't just happen. You So like, you mean a formula, you do this, this, and this, and that's how you heal. Is that what yeah, you mean? Yeah. And it, it oh. doesn't really happen that way. <laughs> oh, gosh. And you really need to be patient with it. You can't just, okay, we're going to talk about this. We're going to get therapy and then move on. And it's nice to move on, but you still have a lot to work on. And you can't just expect yourself to just be done with it after you, okay, we've talked about, it. I'm done, that kind yeah. of thing. It's almost like you when you go through life and you get a cold and when you get a cold, you know, you your body's saying, take care of me. You know, you got to take a day, drink juice, whatever. It's almost the same thing. It's like you can move on, but there will be things that come up and you just have to recognize them and be willing to slow down for a minute and take care of them. Yeah. Like step out of the hustle bustle, step off the escalator, step off the elevator, take a minute, because when you acknowledge it, you deal with it, then you can move on again until something else comes up. But when we resist it and we just like, oh, you know, this isn't happening. I'm not going to, I can't deal with this. When we tell ourselves all those things, of course, we all have terrible self-talk and we tell ourselves horrible mean things that we would never say to anyone or we would never let anyone say to us, mm. but we say it to ourselves, And so when we can start to evaluate that and take a break and do the work, those times are going to be farther and farther apart, but they're layers and recovery is layers. So it doesn't go away, no. <laughs> but it does get better. It gets easier. And there's something very honoring about doing the work. Yes, it is. It's about taking care of yourself. I mean, giving yourself the opportunity to do what you need and you deserve. And I think part of it is for a lot of us, it took us years to get to the point of, okay, I'm going to deal with this now. You know, I'm going to talk about it now. And so we've spent years bottling it up, forming bad habits as far as how we've, how we've coped with it. So you can't expect those to just go away right away. I mean, the ways we coped with it, we've, we've learned really well and they worked to a degree, but they, they're not healthy. And so it's, you can't just unlearn an unhealthy habit overnight. You have to work at, you have to unlearn that habit. So you have to be patient with that. You can't just expect, okay, now I'm a, I'm, I'm going to deal with this and it's all going to be, you know, all these bad things are going to go away. Yeah. In fact, when you think about it, so think about one thing, um, somebody had power over you. And so through your life, that may have been a theme because it's what happened. And so you're the little person said, hey, people can bully me, people can overpower me. So now you talk about it, you get help. Now you have to learn how to speak up. You have mm -hmm. to find your voice. And again, those kind of things don't happen overnight, but as they happen and as we learn to speak up and stand up for ourselves, then, then our get, world starts to change. Yeah, and we get better at it. And just mm -hmm. like learning our self-speak, you know, we talked about in that one episode about our language and how important it is and how important it is what our self-speak is. And that's why our own, you know, how we talk about what happened to us is so important because it's also reinforcing our own self-speak. And we mm -hmm. have to learn that self-speak because we've learned from others these lies and terrible things that we've taught ourselves because that's what they taught us. Right. So it's, a, you know, it's a lifelong journey of unlearning 
<laughs> it is. And even things like this, when your wife and I, Charnel, we went through this program, Life Skills, and they called them, oh, I can't think of what it's called. They're something that you tell yourself when you're a kid. So you've been told if you don't eat all your food, kids are starving in Africa. Well, if you're a child who's been abused and you try to tell and people don't listen, you tell yourself people don't listen. So then you go through life believing people don't listen. And that's not true. It was true for the moment. And for maybe that parent didn't listen or whoever you're trying to talk to. But as a little kid, you can't sort that. So then you've created this world where nobody listens. And so then what happens is it doesn't take people listening to you. It takes you learning to say, oh yeah, people do listen. That one person didn't listen. You know, we have to undo all that damaged, bad talk that we did just because we didn't know any different. Yeah. And, you know, or everybody hurts you or, you know, the things that we say as children and then we believe. Yeah. Or they won't believe you. Yeah. Nobody believes me. Nobody would ever believe me. So we go into a job and we think our boss won't believe us. Our co, you know, we internalize that because Mm -hmm. those are the messages that we told ourselves and our brain believes what we tell it. And so we have to unlearn all of that. And that can be really hard. Yeah. And it it takes a little bit at a time. You have to prove that those things aren't true by verifying it, by proving it. And it takes a lot of little steps to prove that, oh, people do listen. You know, my wife listened to me. Oh, my family listened to me. Oh, just relearning things takes time. Yeah. And if you don't give yourself the time, then you're not going to be able to get to the point of actually learning how to heal. Because if you rush it, you're not going to give yourself the time and space to actually get to that point. Right. Well, and when you think about it, for instance, no one will believe me or nobody ever believes me. So think about this. You take it into your workplace and you don't turn in a sexual harasser or somebody who's harassing you because you think no one will believe you. But here's the thing. As a child, when nobody believes you, you have no power. But as an adult, it really doesn't matter whether someone believes you or not. Your truth is your truth. Yeah. But that comes with a shift in growing up and working through your stuff that it's like, oh, it doesn't matter if nobody believes me. I'm still going to say it because it's the truth, right? Yeah. So we we have to learn those adult ways that we just suppress because we we just had these messages and we were just we were, bullied, we were taught things that weren't true that we believed. Mm-hmm. But when we become an adult and those things aren't true, then we have to unlearn them. There's even a verse in Corinthians about that. When I was a child, I spoke as Mm -hmm. a child, I thought as a child. And when I became an adult and what happens when we don't heal, we don't become adults. So we keep behaving like that little kid and people are looking at us like, what is wrong with you? And you don't know what's wrong with you. But when you start to recognize it, then, oh, I see. I'm doing that. Like we can take responsibility for what's ours and we can learn to turn it around and be different. Yeah. But we have to give ourselves that opportunity. We have to take the right, take the time, learn what feels safe, and do the you know take those risks that feel safe, but not not too safe and not too risky. And I feel like everyone is in kind of like they they want stuff done right now, 
you know, we want instant gratification and that just doesn't work with this process. There's no easy fix, so to speak. I mean, they're all talking about how now you can do hallucinogens and they open up your minds and you, and you can do this stuff that will cure your depression. And, but that's, that's a quick fix, but it doesn't get to the root of the issues. You're, you're not necessarily addressing where it's coming from or why you're having the depression. Think about it. If you, so say you have that voice in your head, everybody's going to hurt me. Like say that's your little child voice. A hallucinogen or microdosing might take that away for a minute, but as soon as you come back to reality, if you haven't learned to change that thought, change those words, you're still going to struggle with depression because you're going to feel powerless because you don't know what you don't know. And so that's why getting help is so awesome and learning slowly and taking baby steps until all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, I do have, I am powerful. I can take care of myself. I can protect myself. And we don't have to walk around in fear that somebody's going to hurt us. Yeah. And there's other treatments that are really helpful, like the EMDR, where for people with PTSD and so forth, where it helps them so they're not having the fight or flight or, you know, the panic. It it gives them the place to work through it where sometimes just like, okay, so for me, I was on antidepressants for 30 years and I'm, I go back and forth with how I feel about that. A, I'm so glad I had him. I'm so glad that, Mm -hmm. you know, because I was just crying all the time and I didn't know why. And I had three Uh kids to raise, but then now that I've been off of them, I recognized how much they flatlined me and I did do the work. So I didn't just take a pill. I went to a lot, a lot yeah. of counseling. I always do personal growth, but also I recognize that there's techniques and skills that help you work through so you can get to a breakthrough. So EMDR, tapping, those kind of things. But then there's like antidepressants, they might give you relief, which is good for a while. Mm-hmm. But if you don't do the work, it's not still not going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do you helpful. think about that? Do you, do you, what do you think about that? Because no, I agree. I, I yeah. think, you know, the EMDR is really helpful. I think antidepressants are really important if you're struggling with that. But again, what they do is they get you to a place where you're stable so you can you actually can then... address the issues. Right. And that's the... But then you that's want to the, address the issues. A yeah, lot that's of the don't. critical point is yeah. they're not there to fix it. They're there to get you to a place where you're stable, to where you're able to deal with stuff and you're not in the panic mode all the time or the fight or flight mode, or you're not suffering with depression where you can't even get out of bed. Mm -hmm. But when you get to that stable place, that's when it's important to look at the issues you're dealing with and address them. And that's why I'm I emphasize there's no quick fix. Yes, EMDR will help you get through that situation or hallucinogens will help you with PTSD or other issues, but you're still not addressing the issues. I almost feel like facing it is like an extreme sport. It's like you got to (laughs) jump off that cliff or, or jump off the diving board. It's like, it's so scary. But when you do it, anyone who's done anything like that, when they do it and they face it, it's so amazing. And I think if we could look at it like that, like, I am going to bust this. I'm, you know, I'm going to face this. If we could take it on like that, rather than I can't, you know, because we can, we can face it and we can do it, especially with support, especially with other people, because that's, you know, we can't, we can't recover or heal in a vacuum. 
Yeah. We, and you've already been through the worst. Right. What you're going through now is going to help you heal from that. It's not mm -hmm. going to hurt you more. You've already been hurt. That's already happened. And it is important to get like, find the things that help you get to a stable place like EMDR, antidepressants, maybe hallucinogens will help you get to a stable place. Mm -hmm. I don't think they helped me get to a stable place, but I wasn't using them under medicated supervision. <laughs> but once you get to that stable place, it's important to take the big steps, the diving board steps of addressing the issues, talking about what you, you know, what got you to the place where you needed antidepressants or you needed EMDR. And how do we address that? How, what, what are the things that help me? Is it journaling? Is it talking to a therapist? Is it being in a group? I highly recommend groups for men just because Men aren't, you know, it, it, you will develop skills you, you don't develop anywhere else because we don't talk about our feelings. We don't talk about what happened to us. We don't talk about, and if you're in a group like that, you will learn how to do that. And that's a really healthy thing to learn. I'm going to say this and you can edit it out if you want. <laughs> I feel like men being in a group and talking to other men because women do it. So I feel like men making the effort to do it is a loving thing they do for their wife and for their family. Because yeah. when they don't, you can be the nicest guy in the world outside. How many times do we hear about pe preachers that are the nicest guy in the world, but all hell breaks loose at home. And even like David mm -hmm. mentioned last time, he said, here he is a pastor, but he's so angry. Mm -hmm. So who pays the price for that? Our yeah. family. So yeah. Getting help, getting in a group is a loving thing you do for your family. Yes, yourself. But when you think about it like that, maybe that's going to give you the courage to jump off that high dive or jump out of the airplane, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It's one of the most important things you can do for your family and for your wife and because it enables you to learn how to communicate well and how to express your feelings well and how to understand them so they're not controlling you. You're able to understand and deal with your feelings and issues so they're not controlling you yeah. and you can get to a place where you're handling them in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where you can actually take a minute if you need it. Yeah. You're not just reacting, you're acting. Yeah, and understanding that you need to take time at times, you know, that you need space sometimes, that you need men. You don't hear about men journaling much unless they're authors. But I think it's a good thing for men to have a space, a private space where they can journal and, and have that be their private thing because... We don't even express our feelings to ourselves very well. <laughs> Truthfully, if we can bottle them up, we will. And so if we can bring them out somehow in a healthy way, it's a lot better than the way a lot of us do bring our feelings out. I teach journaling in my workshops. And the thing that happens is when you have something in your head, it's bouncing around and it can't file. It's yeah. like looking for a file to go in. But when you say it or write it down, all of a sudden you validate it and it goes, oh, that's where that belongs. Mm -hmm. And it frees our mind up to do other things. And there are some really cool journals these days. You can do it digital online. You could do the. There's a five minute journal. There's a one minute journal. There's also this journal you can actually write in. 
you take a picture, it's a rocket journal, you take a picture and it it saves on your phone and puts it right into a file and then you erase it. So nobody's going to find it and read it. So there's so many ways you can do journaling. I mean, I just, I just buy a hundred notebooks at every beginning of the school year and use notebooks, (laughs) you know, but 10 cents each, but yeah, journaling is, is so good. And, and it, you know, self-care that's self-care when, when we think of self-care, sometimes we want to think it's like, you know, doing something really luxurious, but facing this, looking at it, doing the work so that you can have peace, that's self-care. That is. And then give yourself credit for the the steps you take. And I think we have to give ourselves attaboys for when we do join a group or do journaling or, you know, give ourselves the time because it isn't easy. And no one else is really giving us credit. Yes, maybe we will, you know, our, our family and our wives might, you know, say, oh, I'm really happy. I'm really proud of you. But if you're not giving yourself the credit, if you're not saying, yes, I'm doing this and this is important. And yes, it's actually I'm becoming better because of it. You, those are important things to our self-talk about. It is really important about saying, yes, this is important and that's why I'm doing this. When I work with all these women in recovery, I love it when they say things like this. This one lady goes, man, I got so mad at my job. I went and found a new one. And she goes, and I gave a two weeks notice. She goes, do you know how awesome that is? I usually would just get pissed and walk off. She goes, but Uh now I got mad, found another job, and I gave a two week notice. I'm Uh really growing up. Yeah. 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 I think it's because. Recognizing our growth. Yeah. Recognizing our growth because. Otherwise, we will get impatient because it seems like there are times when it's not happening fast enough or it's not happening at all or we're going backwards, you know. And- Which this is a whole other episode, but also when you say acknowledging being, finding gratitude about it, like, wow, look at me. I, you know, I'm so grateful that I gave a two week notice or I'm so grateful that I, held my temper, or I'm so grateful I didn't yell at the kids, or I'm, so, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like finding that place of gratitude, where we can be saying, thank you, yeah. that, uh, you know, and then even there's a verse in the Bible, that says, pray as though it already happened. And so if you have something you're working on, like, I don't, I really don't want to yell at my kids. And you say, God, help me not yell at my kids. But then if you say, thank you, that I'm yelling at my kids less and less, it puts it into action. And yeah. so it's speaking the truth by doing the things that you want to do better and yeah. being thankful for them in advance. Yeah. Gratitude's really important. And I think that's part of our journaling is writing mm-hmm. down what we're thankful for, what we're what is important to us, what we've done, what we're happy about that's going well. Mm-hmm. That's that's a really important part of journaling is just our gratitude journal, writing down the things that we're happy and thankful for. Mm-hmm. Because we have a lot to be and I know that sounds even when you're going through the hardest times. It's important to remember we're getting through it. We're getting where there is progress. It, it It's hard. It hurts. It feels terrible, but you're making progress. You're going to get through it. And this is how you get through it. And so to be thankful for being able to do it is important. Mm-hmm. And we know like when you're depressed, get up and move, drink, 
water. You know, it's like when we, when we're really spiraling, find that place of gratitude and it doesn't, it's not like trite or, oh, I'm just going to be happy. It's like, it's deeper than that. It's going, okay, I'm really struggling, but there are some things that are really working for me right now. And I can find some joy in that. So it's not pretending like I think sometimes a lot of people do. They put on their smile and they pretend. No, no. You know, but it's really going, okay, I need to take a minute and and count my blessings. I have a car that runs. I have a roof over. You know, when I start working with the homeless ladies, my gratitude journal changed. I'm like, <laughs> thank you for a pillow. Thank you for a cup of coffee. Thank you for clean underwear. Like the yeah. things these women yeah. had to live without, you know? So when we start to really recognize gratitude, it's not a fake thing. It's a thing that really helps us understand the process actually. Yeah. And where we've come from and where we're going. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's the important part is to keep the end in sight, even though there isn't necessarily the end, but you're working towards that goal of getting healthy and getting healing. And you will get to that place of being healed and healthy. But there's always things you got to, there's still things to work on. There's always mm-hmm. things to improve on. And yeah. so just be patient with the process, I think, is my mantra right now. Because I was yeah. just recognizing my own impatience in the last mm-hmm. few weeks. <laughs> and to embrace it. You know, that's how we get patient with it. We embrace it and we find a way to love it. Like, it's like the three-legged dog, you know, I'm going to love this dog. I'm going to find a way to love it because when we love it, we take all the, we take all the power it has over us away. Yeah. Yeah. And we learn to love ourselves by just giving ourselves patience, mm-hmm. giving ourselves the space to work on it, giving mm-hmm. ourselves a space to find the things that, we, you know, bring us joy. Right. But I do have one caution. Uh-huh. You, you probably know this. It's really not a good thing to ask, pray for patience. <laughs> Thank God that you are patient, but don't ask for <laughs> patience. Because <laughs> you will be given reasons to be patient for. Because what makes us learn patience but trials? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, yeah, we've. that's where we learn is getting mm-hmm. through trials. That's important is how we deal with them, how we get through them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on well, that note. This is a good breaking point, a good yeah. praying point. <laughs> yeah. So that's it for today. We are going to have a prayer time if you want to stick with us. If not, we believe in you. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your stories. If you like this podcast, please rate and review because that's how other people can find us. And we really want to spread this message. Oh, Father, I thank you for your patience with us. Mm-hmm. And I pray that we would we would learn to give ourselves the grace that you have given us and give ourselves wisdom in our process because there are times we, we want it to be done. There are times we want it to be over. There are times we want to get, get past it or get through it faster. And Lord, I just pray you would give us wisdom in knowing that it is a process and we need to work at it, but that work can bring joy. That work can bring gains in our lives that help us and help our loved ones. And Lord, I just also pray that we would have patience with others who are going through this. If we know others who are struggling with depression or 
issues of you know being a survivor that we would have patience with them and not try to push them but just give them space and give them grace lord that you have given us and i pray that for anyone listening that they would they would allow themselves the space and the time and the grace to take the steps to do the work rather than being impatient about it and also give them the courage to take the steps to take the dive off the high dive when they need to but also just the long slow easy steps when they need to when they need to take take it easier that they can give themselves that space to take it easy when they need to and lord i just pray that your presence would be in their lives and your you would uh, bind the enemy in their lives so they would be free to turn to you and to be led by you. In your name, I pray. Father, I'm so grateful that we can heal. We'd just be so awful if that wasn't even an option. And so, Lord, I, I pray for that person who's resisting, asking for help, who's maybe almost addicted to being angry. Mm. like Dave talked about, that you would Mm -hmm. just open their heart to know that there is healing and that they can let go of all of that. And Lord, sometimes I think of the person at the the paralyzed man at the pool who wanted to be healed. And and Jesus said, do you? Do you really want to be healed? Because he'd spent his whole life sitting by the pool. He's going to have to get up and walk and work and change his life and do things different. And so sometimes healing can be really scary for the fact that we get out of our comfort zone. We don't get to do the same thing and behave the same way. And so, Lord, I thank you that you have that option available to us and that because of your son who died on the cross for us, that uh, we can ask for forgiveness and be forgiven for whatever we've done in response. Maybe we've had bad behavior because of our, of because, you know, that we've been a victim and we haven't been able to ask for help. And so maybe we haven't been treating the people around us in a loving way, Lord, that uh, you will forgive us and help us to step out and get the help we need and, and renew and restore our lives so that we can shine for you in your son's holy name. Amen. Amen.